0: My next guest on the Business Samurai podcast is Morris Turk. Morris is a trademark attorney helping individuals provide legal protection to their brands. In this very engaging and fun conversation that I had with Morris, we actually break down the exact steps necessary in the legal process of protecting your brand and some of the do's and don'ts. We dive into some of the surprising things that can actually be protected and some things that cannot. So if you have something that you are interested in getting some legal protection, sit back and listen as Morris very entertainingly discusses the process of brand and trademark. Do you enjoy talking business? Do you enjoy reading about business? Do you geek out over the entrepreneurial journey? If so, then you are in the right spot. The Business Samurai Podcast brings you the stories told by the people themselves. You'll be immersed in a wide variety of industries from venture capital to gourmet popcorn, learning how to be a better leader, or the personalities behind solving the broadband crisis. At The Business Samurai, we believe it takes a wide variety of skill sets and experiences to be successful in business and life. Our aim is to not only entertain, but educate, for you to recognize how successful tactics and motivations in one industry can help propel you forward in your own unique business. Sit back, enjoy, and welcome to The Business Samurai Podcast. I am your host, John Barker. I've seen a lot of Law & Order SVU, but I haven't seen Law & Order Trademark Attorney. No. So (laughs) That would not be
1: a very interesting episode.
0: That's what, (laughs) uh, kind of curious, what was the uh, the drive? What was the niche to get into that? Because I know a lot of criminal defense attorneys. I know civil, your family attorneys and things of that nature, but what was the uh, interest in the trademark?
1: I fell into it. I was working at a law firm in Illinois as a law clerk during my second year of law school. So in your law school days,
0: is there... Is there like general courses that no matter what type of legal profession you're going into, everybody takes and then you pick pick a niche? Or was this something that was totally like on-the-job type of on-the-job training?
1: During the first year of law school, you're required to take certain classes, none of which are trademark law, very general classes like property, criminal, constitutional things like that. But after your first year of law school, you can you have more leeway on what you want to take. I did take trademark law. I also took copyright law as well, but I took trademark law after I had started working with net already. And okay. so I was I had a one-up on everybody in that class because I was getting actually practical experience and I kind of understood what was going on. In fact, I ended up getting the highest grade in the trademark class. I got a little the, I forget what they call it now, but it's a little award you get at the end of the semester for having the highest grade in the class. But I felt like, I felt like it was a fraud because I had, I was, I had so much more experience than anybody else in the class. Okay.
0: But you weren't like teaching the teacher at that point.
1: I, I was not <laughs> teaching the teacher, no, <laughs> but it was, but it was, it, it did give me a really nice foundation for the class. It was great.
0: Oh yeah. No, yeah. I imagine. So, so how often we, every year I keep a track of like state laws and hey, we've got new motor laws. We've got stuff like that. How often this trademark and copyright law actually get updated is that is it frequently reviewed like other areas
1: it does i wouldn't say i would say law in, in a lot of different areas is fairly slow to change recently though there has been a lot of supreme court us supreme court decisions in the trademark and copyright fields for example just a couple of years ago there was a case having to do with the uh, an asian music a musical band called the slants and uh, it was basically about whether the trademark office could constitutionally prevent the registration of trademarks that are seen as disparaging of a group of people. This Asian band wanted to register the name The Slants, and The Slants is a derogatory name for Asians, and they were initially refused. They went all the way up to the Supreme Court on this, and they got the law to change. The Supreme Court knocked down the prohibition against the registration of disparaging marks. And there's been a number of other trademark cases as well. The Booking.com case which was very recent, ruled that a name plus the .com is not necessarily generic. So like now it may be possible to register things like law.com or computer.com if it's whereas before you couldn't. And so that's been a change in the laws as well. And uh, I'm simplifying that, but yeah, there's sure. been, but there's uh, yeah, there's been some changes. In fact, just yes, just yesterday there was a copyright case out of the Supreme Court about trade about copyright registration and about what happens if there's a mistake on the copyright registration and uh, is the copyright registration still enforceable? Yeah, it so things are and happening the ones at that the make highest the news. <laughs> so, yeah, now there's a lot of there's a lot of trademark <laughs> litigation because it's a bunch of businesses fighting over stuff. There's a lot of trademark litigation. Most of that never gets to a decision. And most of it certainly never gets appealed where you get like a reported decision on an interesting point of law. But yeah, there's plenty of litigation and laws do change. More with trademark registration, the procedures have changed a lot. Sort of The ways to challenge trademark applications and registrations have changed. There's new procedures called expungement and reexamination that were just put into effect this year that have opened up some more avenues for attorneys to challenge trademark registrations that may be fraudulent or improperly issued. Yeah, there's lots of different things. In fact, one of the more recent ones, too, about foreign entities. If you're not located in the United States, the trademark office just a couple of years ago made a rule that says you have to use a U.S. attorney. You can't do it yourself anymore. You have to use a U.S. attorney, which, of course, now opens up a nice chunk of business for U.S. attorneys. So I'm not complaining. (laughs) Like
0: somebody that happens to be on the homepage of Google?
1: (laughs) Hey, if it's going to benefit if it's just going to benefit me, I'm not going to say no. It's been a nice, especially like out of Canada and Australia and the UK. Sure. Because, you know, with Amazon and all these other online platforms, it's easy for these people to sell in the United States. I mean, it's a huge market. And now they want to protect their trademarks and their brands in the United States. And here I am ready to help.
0: Gotcha. How often, speaking of going in the Supreme Court, how often do these in- infringement cases actually go to, I don't know if they go to like jury trials or things of that nature, how that process works? Is that frequently that happens? Is there some risk reward metric that goes, hey, we're going to really push the button on these guys because they're selling our logo on, on something else. I imagine this is probably the bigger of the company, but how often does that happen?
1: Yeah. Every other area of law, Most litigation never goes to decision, never goes to trial, never because number one, it's very expensive. Number two, litigation is very uncertain. You might think you have the best case in the world, but who knows what a jury is going to do or a judge is going to do. And plus, you don't know, sometimes usually these trademark disputes and copyright disputes, these are really just business disputes. And Do you want a judge or a jury of 12 people who don't even understand your business necessarily making the decision? No, you'd rather have the two business people come into some kind of agreement, some kind of compromise. So yeah, very, a tiny percentage ever go to a decision. And then even a a smaller, like an an infinitesimal number go to appeal. And that's where all the action is really on the appeals very small amount i
0: don't know how much this is going to be completely off the wall and i'm by no far an expert but have you been tracking what's going on with the nfts the non-fungible tokens i'll lead it with that before i go into a secondary where my question my real question is at
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm not really up to date on NFTs, though. My associate, Kevin, is a little more into it and he's he's teaching me a little bit more about it, which is good. But yeah, it's huge. Actually, a case has been recently filed by, I don't know how you say it, Hermes or Hermes, H-E-R-M-E-S. It's like the fashion brand. They The, big, recently, the
0: expensive brand. The yeah.
1: luxury <laughs> brand. They just yep. filed a suit recently against somebody who has, who's been using and created a whole bunch of NFTs with having to do with one of their bags, Birkin. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. They sell uh, T-shirts
0: 500 bucks, so. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't, I would never know anything about this. But anyway, (laughs) but yeah, but it's getting big, right? Because now you're not even, now these brands, especially these well-known brands, now they have to protect their trademarks against virtual goods. metaverse things again I'm not versed I'm not versed in the metaverse but these are all things I'm gonna have to learn about as they become more and more prevalent and
0: and I guess that goes into where I was thinking where this where you see this could head because people are able to sell a share in a, in quite frankly, could be a share of their brand. One of some of the stuff that I'm hearing about is we've well, seen everybody buying these NFTs of the monkeys or whatever. You're going, Hey, I've copyrighted this, I've trademarked this, but at the same time, I'm going to flip it into an NFT so you can sell somebody the rights to that. I don't know how the level of complication from a legal perspective that may probably is starting to turn into that now but could really explode over the next uh, next several years.
1: Yeah, this is going to be huge. As well as like things like cryptocurrency, this is a big one now, and lo- lots of other different areas that are starting to really grow. There's a lot of intersection, from what I can tell, between trademark, copyright, NFT, these virtual goods, and they're all going to play together. I did recently just see a news article. I think it was on, I was watching TV. I think I saw it on Fox News. It was just a story yesterday about a the uh, somebody was killed The killing of somebody was streamed online but it was a young woman and the father of the victim is trying to get the media to stop playing this footage now the father is not the owner of the footage of the video he didn't shoot the video somebody streamed it whoever streamed sure. it is on is the owner or whoever he sold it to but it's not the father and there's and then so he was talking about how he was speaking with some legal counsel and he, instead, he wants to try to make an NFT out of this video in order to try to prevent it broadcast and dissemination. Now, I didn't really understand it because if he's not the copyright owner, how can you make just an NFT out of something you don't even own? I didn't quite understand that. And maybe somebody out there can explain this to me. But it was interesting how they're trying to use NFTs to try to circumvent somebody's copyright in this footage
0: and that's something i had been thinking about going even with what i've been doing with you with the business samurai logo and and the name together going what really is what would really stop somebody that got creative and said hey it's that's cool looking or whatever i want to screw with somebody and they go through the minting process i believe is the term and turn it into that that fungible token what is to stop somebody from doing that and then you get a dispute outside of me going hey morris man you got that (laughs) where's that stuff on the us website that i can go i did this like three years ago. I'm wondering where that intersection is going to be.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's brand new. I don't think anybody really knows. And until we start getting cases filed and decisions from judges and juries, and especially those that are appealed, we're not really going to have a lot of answers. Certainly, this isn't going to I think it's unlikely that this stuff is going to happen to the quote unquote, the run of the mill trademark sure. because what's the value? But I think right. I, I think luxury brands very well known brands, famous brands. Yeah, I think they're going to run into a whole bunch of it. Like I said, Hermes is already running into problems
0: Interesting. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. And also from the, you just see the way the political process works. You got a, a lot of aging lawmakers that may be going what is this? Having watched enough congressional testimony in my life to go, all right, dude, you're talking about an iPhone as you're flashing around your Android.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't have I,
0: mean, a, I don't have a lot of hope for a blockchain technology.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I tell you, it, it is very interesting. And like I said, my, uh, my associate was younger than me. He's seven or eight years younger than me. He's getting more into it. So he's, like I said, he's educating me on it, which is nice.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. So I just got an idea, or they did just in point blank. I sit there and had an idea. I had read a book that's like you. Everybody should have some sort of something that they can trademark, and it was the from a consulting standpoint that was something that they could lay back on. I can't remember the reasoning. I had read that years ago. When when should a company reach out with something that they've developed and go, "Hey, I really need to get look into getting some protection behind this uh, my brand."
1: You know, well, you know, just to give some background, obviously trademarks are brands, right? Trademarks are names or logos or slogans that are used in connection with the advertising and sale of products or services. Mm-hmm. And really, every unless you're using a completely ger- generic name, like you run a pet store and you called yourself Pet Store. And if you did that, <laughs> then you don't really have a trademark. But right. most people don't do that. Most people come up with some cool little name for their business or their, whatever, their organization or whatever it might be. So everyone's got a trademark. The question is, does when does it come time to want to register it? federally, protected federally. And r- registering that trademark with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the USPTO, gives the owner of the trademark the exclusive nationwide right to use that mark in connection with the products and services that are listed in the trademark registration. Who might only, let's say, for example, let's say somebody has a restaurant and they call it ABC restaurant. <clears throat> Terrible name, hopefully nobody did that. Okay. Let's say there is an a- a- ABC restaurant and they're just operating in, say, in St. Louis, Missouri. Without a trademark registration, their rights will extend to the St. Louis metro area, essentially. However, if you get the trademark registration, if you register the ABC restaurant federally with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, then your rights now have expanded throughout the nation, not just St. Louis. What does that do? It blocks other people from using a similar name for similar services anywhere in the United States. And if they do, then the owner of the trademark has the legal ability to stop that infringement. So that's the power of the registration. So when do you want to get the registration? There are business considerations and there are legal considerations. Let me talk about the legal considerations first. Legal, con- The legal consideration is you want to file as early as possible with the trademark office because the day you file is the day that you reserve the exclusive right to use the name. So if you wait, it's possible that somebody else might file the trademark application for a similar name for similar products or services, which would then exclude you from using your name for your products and services. So from a legal perspective, it's really good to file as early as possible, even before you start using the name. Because you can file a trademark application on an intent to use basis to reserve the name. It doesn't have to be in use yet.
0: Which is what I did.
1: Which is what you did. And which is what I'd say 80% of my clients do. In the intent-to-use system is great. It's great for businesses. Mm-hmm. Now <laughs> excuse me. Now from a business consideration, now we're really talking about is my business even going to be successful? Am I even am I even intending to operate Outside of my local area, if I'm a gardener and I only provide gardening services in my local area, I don't think it's probably worth getting a trademark registration. What do you need it for? You have your little, you have your little rights in St. Louis, Missouri, and you're fine. But if you sell products and that you could sell those products on Amazon and anywhere else, and they could be shipped anywhere in the country, then I think getting a trademark registration early makes sense. Now, maybe you're, now from a business consideration, maybe your product is going to be a dud, right? So now you start selling these products. You're not making any money. And now you spend money on a trademark application that isn't going to go anywhere because you're going to fold your business. So what do you need the trademark registration for? Nothing. So that's, so it's your balancing the legal and the business considerations.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. What for people not familiar with it in a condensed form, what is the process like to go to, to go register?
1: The first thing we generally recommend doing is performing a search on whatever trademark it is that you want to register some kind of name or slogan or, tagline or something like that we we would generally want to do a federal comprehensive federal trademark search on the name to check for conflicts or issues that would prevent the successful registration of the mark and that search is you know we usually have that kind of those kinds of results in about a week and then based on those results if the trademark looks clear then we can file a trademark application with the USPTO okay. and that reserves it as of the date of the filing now it's going to take the entire registration process is probably going to take over a year and sometimes quite a bit longer than a year, depending on a lot of different circumstances. But again, all of your rights date back to the filing date of the application. So let's say it took three years to get a trademark registration. All of your rights date back to the very the day you filed. And if anybody started using a similar trademark for similar products or services during the pendency of the application, then that person would be an infringer and you could stop that infringement.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I I remember when we were talking back, I want to say the initial kickback for me was about 18 months, I believe. What are some of the, 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 I'm guesstimating because it's been long enough now, but what are some of the extenuating circumstances? Why does that process take so long to hear back from them?
1: Yeah. There was, in your case, there was a little bit of a wrinkle, but generally speaking, it takes, right now it's taking the trademark office about seven or eight months to even look at your application. Okay. Okay. Now, once they look at it, let's say everything's good. They didn't, they do their own search. They didn't find any conflicts. Then it goes through what's called a publication period, which is a 30 day period where anybody can challenge the application or oppose it. Assuming nobody opposes it, then it goes to the next phase. If the trademark application was filed on an in-use basis, meaning that the trademark was already being used at the time you filed your application, then the registration issues. But if it wasn't being used at the time you filed the application, then what's called the notice of allowance issues. And then you have to show use of the mark to get the registration. And you have six months from the notice of allowance date to show use. And if you can't show use in those six months, you can get an extension for another six months and you can actually get up to five extensions, six months each. So you can actually hold the trademark application open if you wanted to for four or five years from the date that you file, if it's an intent to use application. Now, what are some of the extenuating circumstances that makes that process even longer? Let's say you get a rejection. Let's say the trademark office reviews your application says, hey, we think there's a confusingly similar trademark that's already registered. Then If the owner of the application wants to try to argue around that rejection, argue against it, then we can prepare and file a response. Of course, then that takes time. And then it takes the trademark office time to review that response. And so that that makes the process longer. Another thing that would make the process longer is if somebody challenges the application, opposes it. Or if somebody, in your case, John, what happened with you is that someone actually filed an extension of time to oppose your application, if I remember correctly. And it's
0: something like that. Yeah, it's, something like it's been that. so long now. Yeah. I, just, I remember something weird.
1: Somebody filed an extension. So they were considering, somebody else was considering opposing, but chose not to. So they stopped your application. I think it was for like 90 days. And then they decided not to file an opposition. And then your application went through the process. So that, that delayed it by another 90, 120 days. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that make thing, make the process longer. But again, people get hung up on, oh my God, this is taking so long, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter how long it takes from a legal perspective. It could take 10 years. All of your rights are going to date back to the filing of the application. In fact, I had a client recently whose application has been put on hold for a number of reasons. I won't go into it, but for a number of reasons, it's been on hold for five years, over five years now. Wow. And it's just the way the process works. There's not, when this happens, there's not a lot we can do. We have to just play the waning game. But it all worked out at the end.
0: Excellent. Okay. We go through the process. You get approved. It's in use. What is necessary then to keep it through that renewal period? What are they looking for? How often do you got to go through that process to check in and say, yep, still active. I'm Pepsi, I'm the Pepsi of whatever I'm doing. It's still going on. Sure. What's, what's that process like?
1: Yeah. So currently the first renewal or main, they call it really a maintenance period is the f- is between the fifth and the sixth year of registration. So once you get your trademark issued, you really don't have to do anything for six years. So you have to maintain no. the registration between the fifth and sixth year of registration. And that's that requires filing what's called a declaration of use. And that basically tells the trademark office that, yes, I'm still using the trademark. Here's some proof of that. And then they will renew your, you know, or maintain your registration. The next period is really a renewal period. And that renewal period is between the ninth and the 10th year of registration. That renewal period, again, requires that you show use of the mark. You file what's called, again, a declaration of use and, and a request to renew the registration. And assuming it's accepted, then your registration doesn't need to be renewed again for another 10 years. So it's not really onerous, or it's even not even all that expensive when you're divided by the number of years that the registration is active before you have to do anything. It's not even very expensive, but you have to remember to do it. Thankfully, the trademark office does send out reminders over email to tell you, "Hey, it's time." If you have an attorney, then it's in their system, so we you know we send out reminders. But yeah, it's it's certainly not as onerous as some other types of law where you have to renew things every year or file annual reports on your corporation, things like that. Yeah, it's real. It's actually really pretty simple.
0: Same day for. Yeah. Cool. One of the things I heard something, I can't remember what I was listening to about somebody filing a very weird trademark thing. And I know the process that we'd went through when you were looking up business samurai and we had to combine the name and the logo versus having them as two separate entities. I do that, but I came across, I don't know if you can see it on your screen. Um, I was trying, I was trying to find the recent one of what I heard on the radio and it was so obscure. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, how can you trademark that? That's how common the phrase was. But coming in and during that research, I came across this website that was like T Mobile has copyrighted the magenta color. And I'm, how, how, how why are, how do they get away? How do those bigger companies get away with copywriting color? Is it very limited that I can't be a telecommunications company selling cell phones and use magenta because they copyrighted not the name, but the color? Like the hex color, I don't. I, what's the nuances when you start getting into splitting hairs with stuff like that?
1: Yeah, just to be clear, we're not talking about copyright. We're only talking. This is trademark. So we're not, they didn't copyright, copyright so okay. It's trademark. But, See,
0: and this is me yeah. being stupid <laughs> on how I'm asking the questions. <laughs> yeah, I just
1: want to clarify. So you're right. You cannot copyright a color. That's not possible, right? Now, what you can do though is you can protect a color as a trademark for specific products or services. T-Mobile's magenta color is an example of this. People now. It's very hard to do right you have to be able to prove to the satisfaction of the trademark office that consumers associate this particular color with this particular product or service now that's very difficult to do right and if you're just a small business you that'd be impossible for you to prove right but when you have millions and millions of customers and you do surveys and you say, hey, if I show you this color, what service does this remind you of? And they say T-Mobile. Well, that's very good evidence that this has now become a trademark. People associate this color with a very specific service or product from a very specific business. Another example of this is the Kodak Yellow. I know I'm dating myself here. But if you remember like the film boxes from yep. Kodak, they were all this like goldenrod. That was also a trademark of the Kodak company. Another example is the pink color of Owens Corning insulation, home insulation. That pink color, the Pink Panther insulation, yeah. that pink color is a trademark of the Owens Corning Corporation because people associate that pink color with that insulation and only that insulation. And so over over time, that became a trademark.
0: One of the ones I found interesting on the screen was the term superhero
1: oh yeah yeah it's it uh, marvel it's dc or marvel i think it's both they oh is it split both it. yeah oh is that what it that is was, okay that yeah. was
0: what i it was just it happened to be on this again i was not looking for mm. this specifically but i found that to be interesting that marvel and dc had trademarked the term a superhero that's particularly that. in this particular movie age that we're in
1: yeah that's yeah that's, that's absolutely true <laughs> and there are many other types of trademarks in which i didn't touch on but because there's they're more rare but like for example, sound can be a trademark. A good example is the here. yeah the NBC chimes, ding ding. Certainly a trademark. If I didn't even have to say NBC chimes, I could have gone ding ding, and you would have yep. known exactly what I was talking about. Or like the Red Robin, Red Robin, yum. Also a, the, a sound trademark.
0: The Law and Order, the dumb was on the
1: uh, yeah
0: <laughs> was, was one.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Those those are trademarks. Also, scent can be a trademark. Now this is very rare, exceedingly rare. But very recently, I'd say within the last two or three years, the company that manufactures Play-Doh—I think it's Hasbro, but don't quote me on that—they mm. were able to achieve a, regi- a trademark registration for the scent of Play-Doh. And when you think about it, like you and I—we're not kids, John—and we probably haven't smelled Play-Doh in decades. I know yeah. I haven't. I don't have kids. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I haven't no. smelled. I haven't smelled. Play-Doh in decades, but I still know what Play-Doh smells like. If you put it, if you put something in front of yeah. me, cover it up and I smelled it and it smelled like Play-Doh, I'd be able to tell you that was play <laughs> And so they were able to get a trademark, register because people associate that scent with that wow. product. So it's a trademark.
0: Is that, I guess then perfume and cologne companies would do things of that nature. If you've got something that was you very could. distinct,
1: you, you it could, was very distinct. it's got to be very distinct. But again, like with the, the problem with perfumes and colognes is that people expect perfumes and colognes to smell a certain way, sometimes flowery, sometimes spicy, whatever it might be. So it's harder to prove that you actually, that a consumer actually associates a very specific scent with a very specific product. I think that's tougher to do. I'm not saying impossible, but when you have something like, when you have something like Play-Doh, a clay, clay doesn't usually have any scent it's like it's, and if you do it's like you don't think of the scent as being a part of the product like it just happens to have a scent because that's the way it was manufactured and it just smells that way right. but that's not but with play-doh it's like people know what that scent is like you can open up the canister and be like oh yeah it's the play-doh scent it's, so that's it's a little bit different than for like clones and perfumes because those are supposed to smell whereas clay it's like that's not the purpose of the product
0: got it Something that I had an issue with, this was a long time ago, and I'll be honest with you, now that you've corrected me a couple times, I'm still confused a little bit between copyright, trademark. Do you want me to give it?
1: the difference real quick? Yeah, please. Okay, so trademarks are names, logos, slogans, you know, smells, colors that are used to advertise and sell products and services. They're used to distinguish between certain types of products and services. So for example, if you had two two dark bottles of cola on the store shelf, and none of them had a label you wouldn't know if you were buying coca-cola or pepsi or dr pepper or whatever we need trademarks to identify products and okay. to distinguish between them right And services as well. You need to know when you go to a restaurant, it's got to have a sign on it, or you don't know what restaurant you're eating at. It's got to say McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell. See all the fancy places I eat. So then, (laughs) so that's a trademark. It identifies the source of the product and service, and it helps consumers distinguish between products and services. Now, what's a copyright protects? Original works of authorship. So for example, books, movies, music, drawings, paintings, sound recordings, things that are original things that are more creative, though copyright doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be creative. But when you think about copyright, you think of like original creative works. Okay,
0: and I guess this is, and I've seen on your website, but it, I guess explain the difference then of when you would use the TM versus the C in the circle. And I think that's why I, I see, I guess once you get it mm-hmm. fully adjudicated, or I'm gonna use the term adjudicated, but you can slap me on that one too, to start using the C versus the TM. Can you explain a little bit of how
1: you're, you're, to, well, identify,
0: you're, to identify it?
1: Yeah. you're crossing two different types of intellectual property right the circle c is for copyright so when you write a okay. book you might say on the in the inside cover you're going to write if you're the if you're the author of the book if you're the copyright if you're the copyright owner of the book you're going to write circle c and then if i wrote it in 2022 i'm going to write 2022 and then i'm going to write morris turk that's copyright okay. notice it tells people who owns the copyright in the book okay When you watch a movie at the end of the credits, it always says copyright whoever, Sony Pictures. That tells you who owns the copyright in the movie. Now, the TM is a symbol that you may choose to use in connection with your trademark. For example, if I open up a restaurant called ABC Restaurant, I could put a little TM next to ABC Restaurant. Regardless of whether it's registered federally as a trademark or not, I can use the TM. If you have a federally registered trademark, so let's say I federally register ABC Restaurant with the USPTO, then I can use the circle R symbol, the R Uh, in the circle. So copyright's a C in a circle, trademark is R in a circle.
0: Gotcha. I'll save my story then because the issue I had years ago was a copyright issue photos that does not apply necessarily to this now that I know the differences.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Glad I could clear it up.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. thank you. That that yeah. helps because sometimes I can be slow and dense on certain things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's very confusing in fact. It it doesn't help when you hear you're on the you listen to the news and they they use these they, terms patent, trademark, copyright. They just use them interchangeably as if they're the same thing. And it's very confusing, but yeah, it's, they're very different. They protect different things. So yeah, it, it's important to know the differences with these things. Once
0: you've got it, you've got it approved, everything's in the system. And let's say you have built up, let's say you have built up your brand to be at a significant point where you're going out there to make sure there's no infringement. How do you do, how do you maintain that knowledge of somebody is doing something they're not supposed to with it.
1: When you're a big, when you're a big brand, that's you're know, the Nike of the world, right? Mm. Google of the world, the Amazon's of the world. They have teams of attorneys that hire these trademark monitoring and trademark watch services that basically scour not only the trademark office's records but also uses throughout the internet. They have these tools that basically will try to find infringements, and then if, as the trademark owner, you can address those infringements. Now, if you're a big company with tons of money and tons of attorneys, okay, you can can do that all day. When you're a smaller, when you're a smaller outfit, it's not expensive to monitor, to have a monitoring service. But the question is, what then do you do with that information? Let's say the monitoring service finds a few infringements of your mark. Okay, you're a small fry. Do you have the money to actually pursue this? Do you have the money to go to court? A lot of my, I know I tell you, a lot of my clients don't, and I represent very small and startup businesses. So it's it's one thing to have the knowledge of the infringement, but then what do you do with that? I generally, I don't believe, and some attorneys might disagree with me, especially ones that represent larger businesses, but I don't think it's a great idea to just go seeking out infringements. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. What I do think makes sense is, If you run into one, like, for example, a customer comes to you and says, Hey, did you know that somebody's using this mark and it's it's very similar to yours and it's, and I thought it might've been you that shows that there was maybe some confusion. And that's when you might want to look into that and maybe take some action because it was brought to your attention. But to just go seek these things out, just to be sending cease and desist letters and getting into litigation doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense.
0: Is there fair use with some of these ones, particularly with the bigger ones, where if you're doing news stories or Mm -hmm. things of that nature, where you can actually use them without facing consequences?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's fair use, both in copyright and trademark. But yeah, absolutely. If you're reporting on something about, say, Nike shoes, you have every right to use the term Nike to describe those shoes to refer to those shoes. So what we call a nominative fair use. And there are other fair uses, like parody, satire, things of that nature that you can use use trademarks to make a point. Those are not really the those don't tend to be the infringements that businesses, especially even like larger brands care about as much. Yeah, they may not be happy with a satire or a parody, but they're not gonna attempt to really stop you. Really, they're more concerned about these things, especially like if you're like the Nikes of the world, like counterfeit products coming into the USA with the Nike sure. swoosh on it. That's what they wanna stop. Even though these big companies, they have limitless resources, I think they do tend to pick and choose their battles, especially in the internet age where it's just whack-a-mole. You try to stop one thing and another thing pops up. So I think it's made them more... I think the internet has made them have to choose, pick and choose their battles a little bit more than they, maybe they used to. Yeah, because they they'd, they'd spend every day all day just cr- trying to crack down, and it's never going to work.
0: I, I've seen a mix of this, and again, there's going to be bleed over between some trademark with the brand as well as copyright with what I see on YouTube, where what I see some creators complain about getting dinged on for fair use. And then I'm watching another one upload an entire movie trailer to their channel, and it's got a million views, but the guy that's got 10% of that is constantly getting the the demonetization. So are they picking chooser, picking winners and losers in that battle? I've tried to reach out. I actually want to talk to some of them from a business standpoint on how that functions. But it just felt, it feels like the, some of those companies on that enforcement front are picking winners and losers in that category because they don't like them or not. I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, you might be right. Again, my it, And that happens, but that's more on the copyright side than the trademark right, side. Yes, correct. Yeah, which I don't, I, again, I do some copyright work, but I mean, the vast majority of my practice is trademark. The bigger problem in the trademark arena right now are people who <clears throat> register trademarks with the trademark office. And maybe these trademark registrations are questionable at best, okay? And downright fraudulent at worst. And then they use these registrations in an unfair manner to take down their competitors on Amazon and Etsy and other selling platforms, which then, you know, so then they're, you know, they're clearing their competition. And what's bad about it is that the the victim, what I'll call the, the victim whose stuff was taken down, these platforms, like it's impossible to get it back up without the, without the person who sent the takedown notice, without their consent, without their permission to put it back up. It's almost like guilty until proven innocent. And I kind of get it. Like these companies don't want to be arbiters of IP disputes and really should they be? No, that's why we have courts. So, And if I was running like Amazon or Etsy or, and some of these other platforms, eBay, things like that. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't just take down listing because somebody showed me a trademark registration. I would at least give the other side a opportunity to respond before taking it down. But these platforms, they're so crazy. They're so crazy. And then it's, it's, and then it's, because I represent some bigger Amazon sellers. And I've had times when somebody with a fraud, literally a fraudulent registration has taken their stuff down. And they have had so much trouble getting their stuff back up. Luckily, some of my clients are such big Amazon sellers that they have some... some
0: they got some pull. They got some
1: pull and they know who to talk to at Amazon. Sure. And they can get these things resolved. But your average person, oh my God, it's like the Wild West. It's like the Wild West. And, it was, and if I just say one thing, these places like Amazon and Etsy, they they some for some reason believe that just because you have a trademark registration means that you have some legitimate trademark rights. That isn't the case. Trademark registrations are obtained fraudulently all the time. There's false and misleading information in trademark registrations all the time. It's also possible that someone who got the trademark registration actually achieved it after somebody had been using it. Let's say I've been using a trademark for 20 years and I never registered it, right, with the Federal Trademark trademark Office. And then somebody else gets a trademark registration for the same name for similar products or services. I was first, and now you're taking me down. But the, but these platforms like Amazon, they don't care. They don't even consider it. They just take down your listing, and then it's up to you to figure out what to do. Gotcha.
0: Is there something if somebody's starting out? And they're going, what's out there? I want to be creative. I want to come up with something. Is there an easy way for them to start doing some pre research if they know they want to go down the legal route and not catch, get themselves in trouble?
1: Yeah. They can go on the trademark office's website. They have a search, a very basic search system called TESS. And they can type in a word or a phrase and kind of see what ha- what comes up, see if they see any conflicts now again, you have to understand what you're looking at and this is the problem right it, you can you might get a list of hundred marks right and you could go through each of the trademark applications or registrations and see what it says but unless you Unless you are familiar with trademark registration, a lot of the information in these registrations and applications aren't going isn't going to make a whole lot of sense to you. It would be like putting, it would be like putting like a book of Chinese in front of me and saying, hey, interpret this. I can't read Chinese, so I'm not going to be able to do that. So the better option is to have an attorney do a search. Um, on whatever it is that they want to use. And then that attorney can give you an, you know, can do the search and then give you an opinion as to whether there are any conflicts or issues with using and, or trying to register uh, that trademark with the USPTO.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. And now if somebody reaches out, is there, is there like a preferred list of things that you would prefer that they have together that to give you right off the gate Is there stuff that may that annoys you that somebody comes in and says, hey, I've done these things and you're like, why did you do all of this stuff? (laughs) You made my job harder. How do you prefer to new clients to approach you with the process to make it as simple as possible?
1: Yeah. I think the internet has been very good and very bad. So
0: (laughs) words of wisdom. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, doctors must feel this way too. When the patients come in and say, Man, I was Web MDing this and I know I have some (laughs) rare some rare disease out of Africa. I must have it because I have all these symptoms and the doctor's like, I have a cold. So it's, <laughs> so it's, so it's, and, and but it, is it great that people can research and learn on the internet? Absolutely. It, that's wonderful. The same is true for trademark. There's a lot of information out there. My website is chock full of information about trademarks and the trademark registration process. But when people come to you and they've done all this research and they believe that they understand what's going on nine times out of 10 they really don't they don't understand the obviously they don't understand the nuances because you know unless you do unless you're an attorney you do this all the time you don't really understand the nuances but they also don't always understand the basics i don't expect them to know the basics they don't even have they don't need to know anything about trademarks when they contact me i can educate them it doesn't take me very long to do that but the problem (laughs) (laughs) no comment (laughs) but the problem is that people come to you and they think they know and then they you say and then you say something like it's great that you did this research and it's great that you used tests and you didn't apparently find any conflicts great i recommend now that we take the next step and do a more comprehensive search to make sure that there are no conflicts or issues and then they say no it's fine i did my search i did my research it's all good And you try to explain to them, yes, you did your search, but that's a comp, that's a cursory search. That's a rudimentary search. Try to explain it to them. But sometimes they feel like they've done everything they needed to do. Okay. You're not going to convince some people. Fine. The people who come to me are the people I like the most. The people that are easiest to work with are the people who are open-minded. People who have maybe done a little bit of research and kind of gotten interested, but they have questions. Of course, you're going to have questions. They're willing to listen. They're willing to be open and honest about what they want to do. Sometimes people come to me and they want to be a little shady. They want to try to do something maybe a little shady, which is fine. (laughs) Maybe we can do something shady. We've got to look into it. But then they feel like maybe even a little embarrassed talking about it, especially if the product or service may be a little uh, risque. That's possible. But yeah, yeah, so the people who come to me that I think we have the most success with are the people who have done maybe a little bit of research, have an open mind and are ready and are willing to be open and honest with me about what they're wanting to accomplish.
0: Awesome. You actually uh, triggered a couple things as you were talking. One of the ways I get around the WebMD conversation is I actually will say, hey, listen, I read the medical journal from Johns Hopkins. <laughs> that usually goes a little better than WebMD. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I don't yeah. know if there's a, I don't know if there's high research for the trademark or a WebMD version of a trademark, but jokes aside, you trigger something on things that maybe you risk I got a buddy of mine, state of Virginia is starting to loosen its rules around cannabis and the use of that. Are there any, and I can use that as an example because each state is different. And of course federal is still completely illegal. Are there things that prevent you in those type of industries where state and federal law don't match up that you gotta be on the lookout for when you do your research or do you just gotta stay hands off completely?
1: Yeah, this is actually a huge issue right now with the CBD and cannabis industry with trademarks. So the rule from a federal standpoint is that you cannot register a trademark for any product or any service that is illegal under federal law. Okay. Okay. Now, that would not prevent you from registering the same trademark for the same federally illegal product or service at the state level. Every state has their own trademark registry. So if you wanted to register your trademark and let's say your trademark is used to sell cannabis or cannabis related products, and you did that in California where it's legal. Okay. You could register your trademark in the state of California and you would have whatever rights a state, a California state trademark registration provides you. Okay. You will have no rights at the federal level zero because it's an illegal product. Now. The question, though, is what is illegal? And a lot of people don't even know what's illegal because the federal government isn't enforcing federal law, right? Okay. If the federal government was enforcing federal law, there'd be no cannabis dispensaries anywhere and anywhere in the United States. It'd all be sure. shut down. It's technically illegal. And anything that's illegal under federal law is cannot be legal under state law, Right. It's the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. A lot of people, here's a really, this is a really, this is a very common one that I've run into, I run into once a month. People want to register vitamins and supplements that have CBD in it. Technically anything ingestible, food, drink, supplement, pet products is technically illegal under federal law if it contains CBD. Okay. Because it violates what's called the FDCA Act, the Federal Drug and Cosmetics Act. Right now, is that going to eventually change? Yes, it's eventually going to change. But technically, it's illegal. Now, what's illegal? Of course not. You go to every, you go to the biggest stores in the world, Walmart, and you can buy supplements with CBD in it. Yeah. You can buy drinks with CBD in it. No one's enforcing this. Zero. There's zero enforcement. But it's technically illegal. Interesting. So, so you cannot register a trademark for a supplement or a food product or a beverage product. That contains CBD. Now, you can register the same trademark if it was used in connection with a topical product that contains (laughs) CBD. So it's a lotion that contains CBD. Perfectly legal. You can register it.
0: I'm going to, to go tell a buddy of mine he has the only gourmet popcorn with CBD in it in the United States, to our knowledge. Really? I was talking to him about it yesterday, and I'm going to say, all right, you're on the, you may be on the good jump of something here, but you can't do anything with it yet.
1: You can't <laughs> register the trademark. Now, what's a way of getting around this? Well, registering at the state level is a way of getting around it if the product is legal in the state. Another way of getting around it to try to get some initial protections while the federal law is going to be, because eventually, obviously marijuana is going to be legal in the federal law. CBD, this is all going to be legal eventually. So one way to do this is to file a trademark application for the name that you use for your illegal product and you register it for something else that is legal that you're providing. One thing that's very easy to do is start a YouTube channel under this name and just put out videos about your CBD popcorn. Right, and, oh, okay. and, then we're going, and then we're going to register the trademark for providing online videos in the field of popcorn. <laughs> and then you've now got a registr- trademark registration for this name for videos in the field of popcorn. And then when the law changes, then you can file a trademark application for that name for popcorn, for CBD popcorn. And it's probably going to go through just fine. It also prevents others from registering a similar name while we're waiting for the law to change.
0: Awesome. Okay, I got some phone calls to make later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and maybe I mean, somebody just, to send your way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yeah. You just do something soon. Start a blog about popcorn. Literally, yeah. any, anything that would be easy to do that's legal, that has some yeah. relationship to your product. That's crazy. Yeah, start a podcast. Like, literally right. anything. Sell some clothing with that name on it. Whatever. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Hey, this is, this has been fascinating. This has been awesome and getting me to get corrected in my head between the differences of some of these things that even now, years later, I'm still confused on clearly. What's the best way for uh, people to reach out, connect? You got so- social media to follow on?
1: Yeah, I do. You can just look me up. You can just type in Morris Tarek on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, I'm you there you dancing <laughs> have one video of me dancing it's not pretty but uh, it's there so yeah i just recently started TikTok, which is fun it's, it's i'm probably too old for it but it's fine and then and then obviously uh, you can connect with me by calling me my number is 314-749-4059 and my email address is morris at your trademark awesome
0: and like i said as it stands now you are number four or five on the google first page But just all you even have to do is just Google trademark attorney as the keyword and you popped up <laughs> on the first. It's
1: good to hear. I don't check, I don't check my rankings all that often, but I, that's good to hear. I, yes. I'm wondering if I'm ranking like that in other parts of the country, or is it just like in the St. Louis area? Not sure. They've,
0: they, they, they. Google's changed some stuff around. They've front loaded it with ads at the top more so than it used to be. I've noticed it and I've seen other tech guys talk about it as well, but you're definitely in the organic searches on page one. <laughs> eh. On the most important keyword probably for your entire business. (laughs) Hey,
1: can't complain about that. Yeah. so
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate the time.
1: No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: This has been fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was a really good time.